Welcome to Pragmatic. Pragmatic is a discussion show contemplating the practical application of technology. By exploring the real-world trade-offs, we look at how great ideas are transformed into products and services that can change our lives. Nothing is as simple as it seems. Pragmatic is part of the Engineered Network. To support our shows, including this one, head over to our Patreon page. And for other great shows, visit engineered.network today. I'm your host, John Chigi, and today I'm joined by Russell Ivanovich. How are you doing? Hey, John. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming back on. It's been a while since we've had a chat, so I appreciate you coming back on to talk about something that's, that could be complicated. Oh, I see what you did there. I do. Ah, uh, yeah. I know. It's terrible. It's just terrible. But so, okay, uh, I'm going to break it now. We're going. Well, I would like to talk about complications on uh, on watches, specifically smartwatches. But but before we get stuck into that, I just want to quickly talk about a little bit of his, history of horology. Have you heard of horology? Oh, I have. I have indeed, but only because about 30 minutes before we started the show, you, you explained <laughs> it to me. So please tell us all not, about you're not, horology. You're not, you're not supposed to tell the listeners that. Oh, Just, sorry. I mean, I've never heard of this horology. Oh, excellent. It sounds excellent. very strange. Yeah, I know. Actually, a, a few years ago when I first heard of the, the terminology horology, I actually thought, what do you mean? Like, is that like horoscopes and stars and things? Because that's, um, you know, but that's what I first thought. But it's actually the study of clocks and watches and in the context of watches, a complication is what they've always referred to as any feature in the timepiece that is not displaying hours and minutes. So that could be anything, including like the day, the date, alarms, chronographs, phases of the moon, for example. They're, they're all like very common complications in a traditional watch. So anyway, and, and any timepiece that just shows you hours and minutes is referred to as a simple movement. So uh, the interesting thing is that in order to sell watches, I'm guessing people, watchmakers decide to add more and more complications, which made it more complicated. <laughs> Funny that. Anyway, um, but the, obviously, the more you add, the more difficult it is to design, to create, to assemble, to repair, makes it more expensive. So a typical sort of day and date display chronograph could have about 250 parts, but more complex watches could have thousands of parts. And uh, watches with several complications, they refer to an industry as grande complications. But um, yeah, anyway, whatever. So... Uh, as a result, I guess, um, it was about in the 16th century uh, they started to see a lot more very, very complicated watches. And according to uh, Wikipedia, the font of all knowledge, uh, the Frank Mueller, uh, oh, I'm going to m- mince this one. I think it's Eternatus Mega 4 is the world's most complicated wristwatch. It's got a At good name it- as well. Oh, yeah, I'm sure someone else can pronounce it properly other than me. But it has 36 complications. This is a mechanical watch, right? Wow. And how they figure that is that 25 of them are visible at any time. It has 1,483 individual components. And one of the complications, perhaps the most useless, is a thousand-year calendar. <laughs> now, if that watch lasts a thousand years, I would be prepared to pay $2.7 million US dollars for that. Uh, of course, I'd have to win the lotto first to pay for that that watch. And so, geez, do we know how many of these were made? I actually have no idea. I'm assuming not many. Yeah, um, not for that price. <laughs> no. So yeah, I think that was one of those projects that they just they did it because they could, and they said, "Hey, look at this. We got lots of complications. You give me money now." 
And yeah. everyone said you'd, you'd hate to be the person that someone brings it in for a service and then be like, "Yeah, my my one of my complications stopped working." You're like, uh-huh. <laughs> "That'll be part really? one thousand four hundred and eighty-one <laughs> witness to be fixed." Can you imagine how annoyed you'd be if you got water in that thing? I mean, just, oh my, you just you wouldn't wear it, would you? No, in fact, I, I do wonder that the people collect everything. So I assume there's a whole, you know, group of people that collect watches and put them on their shelf. It, yeah, exactly. Which is, I don't get that either, but because that just makes it completely pointless. <laughs> Here's a watch, but I can never put it on my wrist because that would just be silly. It's like buying a car and leaving it in the garage. I can't drive it because it's just too expensive. Yeah, but you don't. You don't want to ruin the perfection. You, you've bought something no. perfect. The second you put it on your wrist, you've you've destroyed that. Exactly. Exactly. It's terrible. Anyway, all right. So I think one of the interesting developments in the last, uh, what, maybe oh, 20 years, I suppose, has been the development of software watches uh, versus mechanical watches. But it's really only been in the last, I would say, five or six years that software watches have had enough interesting things going on with them. And I don't, I don't mean like, I suppose you could argue a software watch is uh, from 20 years ago or maybe even 25 yeah, with, with a couple extra functions like the musical chimes. Like I had a watch when I was a kid that had uh, it's like 25 uh, alarm tunes and it was just one of those, similar to the old old mobile phones, you know, they had those uh, polytonic, poly, oh, polytone, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. it would play these things like Claire de Lune and a few other different things and then I had to go and look up what Claire de Lune was and never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had one of those as well. I remember it uh, fondly. I was very depressed when mine got water in it. Hence my previous comment about the $2.7 million watch because it got water in it and it just didn't play songs anymore and I was very sad. So anyhow, uh, yeah, but that's not really what I mean. Software watches, I think the definite my definition of a software watch, I say my definition, is the what, what I want to talk about specifically are watches that are configurable uh, on the fly in terms of what they can display uh, through software modification. So... If you do that, if you've got a digital watch, digital front face, or a section of the front face that is digital that's configurable as like an LCD, as highly configurable, then by going digital, you know, there's no additional parts. You don't have to add any additional parts in order to make as many complications as you like, at least in theory. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. And, and you can easily change out. You can reconfigure your watch face to whatever you want, provided there's a watch face that you like to use or want to use and a complication available for what you want to do, of course, assume that they are. You have that power with a software watch. You don't with a mechanical watch. You're stuck with what it was when you bought it. And the thing that I think is really cool is that that lends yourself to the the, the place where you could have multiple watch faces for different activities, which yeah. is something I find myself doing with my Apple Watch. So you um, you have an Apple Watch, yes? Uh, I do, yeah. Yeah, and do you, do you still wear it? Uh, I am literally wearing it right now as we're talking. So I didn't. I stopped wearing it for about three months. But then when I was working on some software updates, I put it back on and, yeah, so it's still here. Excellent. Yeah, I'm wearing mine as well. Um, it's just recovered from a, uh, a long, long time away from its charger, but now it's back <laughs> it's back on my wrist again. Uh, yes, that, that is definitely a downside. Uh, and I don't really want to necessarily go into the whole charging problem, but never mind. Uh, ultimately, uh, I, I've worn my watch pretty much every day since I bought it, and I love this thing, and I have a whole bunch of reasons why. The, the, the beauty of the... Okay, so what I want to focus on today, though, is talking about complications. And I guess the problem I have with complications now on watch faces is that the problem is no longer the ability to choose. The problem is now that there are so many choices of combination and it's getting more... They're getting more choices all the time. So the Apple Watch itself, you know, we still can't design custom watch faces. Like, 
you know, I can't buy a watch face from an awesome developer like Shifty Jelly, let's say, uh, or anyone else. I can't. It's like I've got to go with what Apple give me. I mean, sure, I can configure the photos that go on it maybe and have the photo screen, but I can't say, oh, I'd like a complication in the top left. I'd like one in the top in the middle, one in the very middle. I can adjust the size of it. It's completely not configurable. Yeah. In fact, that's one of the biggest things that, I don't know if annoys is the right word, but I find frustrating about the Apple Watch is some of the watch faces are almost there, but I'm like, if I could just move this down, like, for example, in I'm looking at the... Is this one called Utility? I'm not sure. The one that the digital one with that has the most complications. I just want the time in the middle, but I can't put the time in the middle. The time has to be in the top corner because, you know, that's what Apple has ordained. And then I'm forced to, you know, pick a certain amount of complications. And if I leave one blank, you know, the screen doesn't reflow. It's just that spot is now blank. And that, that frustrates me a bit because you've got this infinite potential for configurability. And I know you don't want to introduce infinite complexity at the same time, but Still, there needs to be a balance. I'm like, well, I, you know, it's a digital watch. I want to make it look this way, but I can't. I can't make it look like that. No, exactly. And uh, it's frustrating because, like you say, it's just, oh, I just want to tweak this just a little bit. It's it's close to what I want, but it's not quite what I want. And being completely un incon- unconfigurable in that respect, it, it can be frustrating. So, I guess I'm. Everyone anticipates that they're going to open it up, and I think that there's. Uh, I think they will open it up, but then. I mean, updating th- things like an iOS. Here we are in I- iOS uh, nine, and is it possible for any non-first party app to update their screen icon uh, on the on iOS dynamically? I mean, you can push badges to it, but can you actually update like the calendar updates its date? No, if if you're not Apple, you are definitely not allowed to do that. Yeah, see, and this is my problem: is that what if they treat watch faces the same way? I certainly hope they don't. Yeah. I, I, I kind of wonder, I, I, they do like to control things and sometimes for good reason. Like I think if, if Apple was here, they'd be like, well, you know, if a developer could change their icon, then they'd do nefarious things. They'd change it to the Facebook one and you'd be yeah. tapping it back. So I'm like, mm, yeah, okay, maybe I see that. I, I think what they might do with watch faces, at least initially, is maybe just team up with a few, you know, select developers. They'd be like, okay, these five or ten developers have been ordained by us as being able to make watch faces and now you have a choice of i don't know 20 or 30 instead of instead of eight i can't see them just opening it up i mean google has done that with with android wear that's that's the platform on the other side that anyone can make a watch face and the results are amazing you get some really really high quality ones but the other you know 85 90 just you look at them you're like oh oh like what have they done and i can't see apple you know putting up with that i think google's quite happy to say this ten percent is amazing, so we'll accept the the other ninety percent that doesn't look that brilliant. But I don't, I don't think Apple's that kind of company. Yeah, I, I I suspect you're right. Let's let's look at the ones they do give us because I I just want to quickly cover um just how many how much configurability we do get. So utility you mentioned before, I think actually you meant modular, and modular is the one that gives you the five configurable. Um, yeah, so it's called modular. Slots. I'm just looking at it now. Yeah, so modular gives you the five configurable. Um, complications, slots, positions, you know, whatever you want to call them. Uh, utility gives you three configurable ones that are fully configurable, but one that is either the, the date or the day only. Uh, color gives you four configurable slots, one in each corner, but what, it gives you an extra one that's either a monogram only, like your initials, or it's blank, which is interesting. Um, it's like, yeah, I could put JC on there. Good. <laughs> Just in uh, case you forget. In case I forget who I am, you know. 
Uh, anyway, it's okay. Uh, simple, which is four configurable slots, and one of them is either the date only or it's blank. Uh, the chronograph has got three configurable slots and another slot that's date or day only. And Mickey Mouse, <laughs> go Mickey, tapping its foot impatiently whilst you know you're looking at it. I'm like, what? Or, or, or wiggly butt Mickey, as I prefer to uh, refer to him. Because I know somewhere some engineer had to sit down and animate that. That's that's the bit about this watch face I absolutely love. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of it's it's fun. But I look at it and I'm, every time I look at it, I'm just like, you're why are you so impatient? You're tapping your foot. Stop it already. Anyway, so Mickey Mouse gets three configurable slots. So ultimately, if you want the maximum number of complications, module is the clear winner, and simple is probably a close second. But Interestingly, um, there's a whole. The, all the other ones don't support complications. So motion, which is like the butterfly or the flower opening, the time lapse, astronomy, which is the one where you zoom into the Earth or away from the Earth or whatever you do, uh, yeah. the photo photo one, not no no complications. The solar one, which looks like a, a sine wave, and I would say that because I've I've just whatever you know the solar one. It's got the little <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm playing with it, it now. <laughs> and of course, extra large. Yeah. I know it looks like the little dot's going to go up and down a slide. Anyway, and the extra large one, which is, <laughs> it just melts my brain because I cannot get used to seeing the hours on the top and the minutes on the bottom of the screen. It just, there comes yeah, a point there's, where there's something about that. And also, they overlap with some of the icons. So if you have it in do not disturb mode like I do right now, the, the moon's covering the one apple. The moon is mm. covering the one. <sighs> it's terrible. How so. Do you? I know. They just didn't think that through. But anyway, it's okay. The, those ones just don't have complications. So if you like those watch faces, then too bad you can't have any complications at all, which I don't, I don't know. I guess I see to some extent, but ones like motion, I mean, why not? Solar, there's room. They could have, you know, anyway, it's it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. So obviously when I'm speaking about the complications, we're restricted to speaking about the ones that have complications at the moment. Hopefully someday they open that up. But what I've done to overcome this, uh, like when I say overcome it, is to get the best of both, is I've set up multiple watch faces. So I have a utility uh, one set up for work, as in like work at work. And I've got a modular one set up for work that's calendar-centric. And I've got a modular one set up for home tasks that's to-do list-centric. So I have my to-do list up on the, on the big one in the middle. And then I've got the photo watch face for when I'm not working. And I'm just kicking back and, you know, I'm not at work. So right now I've got my photo watch face on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've done something similar. So I only have three though. I've got the utility, the modular and the extra large. So the utility one I put on the weekend when I no longer need to track, you know, a whole bunch of work-related things. The modular I have during the week. And the extra large is when I'm doing something like, I know this sounds stupid, but I'm playing a game and I get really engrossed in it. I just want to really quickly be able to glance at my watch and be like, oh, I should be in bed. You know, it's, it's past midnight. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I, uh, I I didn't I didn't start out that way. It's something that's sort of evolved. It's like I've added watch faces. I've tweaked it for a different activity, and I've reached that point now where it's become a force of habit. I leave work, I change my watch face. When I'm on the train in the morning, I change my watch face to work mode, and when I'm doing to do list stuff on the weekends, I'll, I'll change my watch face again. So it's um it's just sort of evolved that way. But I'm think I think three or four is kind of for me anyway is the nice balance. Yeah, you definitely. And with, with that amount, it means you don't have to endlessly swipe between them as well. It's easier to get like from one to the other. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. So, and I almost think that that would be a better use of the second button, to be honest. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. I'd even want to get into this this giant button on the front. <laughs> when I first got my Apple Watch, I've, I've obviously taught myself differently since, but I kid you not, I pressed that button about 30, 30 to 40 times to try and go home. So I'd be somewhere in the watch, I'd be in an app or I'd be somewhere else and be like, oh, just go home. And then the people would pop up and be like, what? Oh, that's right. This is the people button. And I've, I've had to untrain myself to, to press that button. Do you, do you still find yourself pressing it? I, I actually have reached the point where I think that button is so useless that I just never press it ever. Because yeah. I, never, I, never I never start a conversation that way. Yeah, I mean, unless you want to send, you know, Mister Creepy emoji to to someone you know, or in the in the early days, I mean, I drew a lot of those doodles and things, but I find I just do not do that anymore. It's easier to pull out your phone and just send someone a text. Well, all the doodles that I want to send uh, are probably not fit for um, consumption unless they're for my wife, and it's like, well, <laughs> my wife refuses to wear having get an Apple Watch. I, I I threatened her. I said, you know what? I am going to buy you an Apple Watch. You know, around Christmas time, and you know, it may come from Santa. I don't know, but the point is that, you know, she's like, I have a watch. It's a beautiful watch. I don't want an Apple Watch. So I'd switched at the last minute and uh, got her a Pandora bracelet instead. Good which, move. Good move. Yeah, I think it was a very good move. <laughs> it's worked out nicely in the end. So there you go. But See, it, it, Sorry. <laughs> I was, was going to say my wife actually, she has an Apple Watch. So oh, yeah. I, th- I think for the... She got hers after mine. I think being a developer, I got mine like day one. I'm like, I must develop for this thing. And then she got hers, I think, for a birthday like shortly afterwards. And I found for the first week, you know, we do the tap thing and the, I don't know what you call those, explodey fireworks type things and draw little pictures. And I find after that, I don't know, maybe I'm not a romantic guy, but I just stopped like completely sending any of those. Yeah. The novelty sort of wears off. It's, I guess it kind of felt a bit like a gimmick, but... Being able to send your heartbeat is kind of cool and tapping someone on the wrist is kind of cool too. But the drawing the doodle thing to me always felt a bit odd. But in any case... It's a tiny little screen like that as well. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be hard to be precise. Not not that precision may be necessarily the point, but if you're trying to convey a message in a diagram, then maybe that's not the right way to do it. I don't know. I guess maybe I'm just uh, annoyed that, uh, yeah... I got a bracelet and not a watch, and I could never, I could never <laughs> test that theory. But it sounds like you've tested it for me, so maybe that's okay. Yeah, look, uh, I'm a husband, she's a wife. We speak for every single husband, and wife, even for boyfriends and girlfriends and partners out there. So none, of, none of you have to test this. I've, I've done it for you. It's all good. Fantastic, thanks, Russell. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Okay, so um, a little bit more about the complication sizes, though. I, I just because uh, the thing is, when I started looking into this uh, like before when the Apple Watch came out because I was curious about this, this, the different complications and what would be potentially possible in future is there's all sorts of different sizes. So all the different screens that we, I listed off earlier, they're all different size complications. So you've got circular, which is, you know, for the color watch face in the corners only. Yep. And the, the modular small and modular large. So the modular small is in the top left corner and there's three along the bottom yep the large one's the big sucker in the middle and it's like three lines three rows of, of text which is the biggest uh complication you can have with the most information yep. and then on the yeah and then on the utility uh large and small which works in utility and mickey mouse but utility and mickey mouse it's top left and right corners uh simple actually has them on all four corners chronograph top left bottom left bottom right corners and the utility large which is utility and Mickey Mouse is a bar across the bottom. 
Yeah. So and I guess the interesting thing about these, and I'm sure this is where you're going, but these are mm-hmm. these are actually all template based. So you don't, yeah. as a developer, you don't get to design. Oh, I'd like a graphic either side and something in the middle. No, it's literally um, here's the three choices for this particular spot. You can have a graphic on the left and text, or you can just have text. Yeah. There, there is no like third option in some cases. No, exactly. And in terms of looking at the real estate on the screens, I also just had a quick look, and uh, there's a link in the show notes if you're interested. Uh, uh, if you're interested, listeners, about it. But two, to, there's about two to six pixels of difference depending upon which complication you're talking about between the 38 millimeter and the 42 millimeter Apple Watch. Yeah, and that's right. If you run all the numbers and you like all, all the different numbers drop out of all the different combinations of possibilities, it, it actually is quite complicated, which. Come to think of it, it's really not that funny, but you know, <laughs> it was maybe funny the first time, but uh, I'm not sure I can let it uh, pass anymore. Fine, that's fair enough. It's totally fair. You called me on it. That's okay. All right. Look, I'm just looking out for our listeners. I, I know that's what they're thinking <laughs> right now. They're, they're driving or they're commuting somewhere, and they're like, "Come on, John, the third yeah. time, really?" I know that, it, but you know, Jim Davies, who does the Garfield strip, would say the more you um, <laughs> say the, the joke, it gets funnier after a while. So you have the initial funny gets bad, and the more you do it, it gets funnier after that. I, I can actually get behind that. I think you either have to stop doing it or you just go all in. That's it. Yep. Guy says you've got to own it, so I'm owning it. There we go. <laughs> all right. Uh, so now that we've gotten all that complicated stuff out of the way. <laughs> That's it. That's it. You did it. See, I'm, I'm owning it. Um, yep. What I want to do is talk about how you figure out what on earth you actually put into a complication. So what, what, what is the value of a complication? Because the problem is I've seen complications that don't actually display any live information they're just an icon of their app or of themselves you tap it and it's a shortcut that launches the app and i see that and i'm like well that's not that's not dynamic it's like it doesn't add in any information i mean okay it removes tapping the crown swiping tapping or maybe if you use got a glance set up you can glance swipe up across and then tap it to get into the app you know and that yeah, it turns into a single tap. So I get that it, as a shortcut that works, but to me, that's taking up valuable complication space on my on my watch. And yeah, I mean, I agree. I I do, I do realize that tapping the crown is a little bit complex, and if the icon's not in the middle, you might have to pan around. And sometimes, you know, I still hit the the wrong icon in this sort of yeah. weird collection of icons. But yeah, it does feel like a bit of a waste if if it's not doing anything. Like the watch face is the one thing you see every single time you you turn the watch towards yourself. It lights up. That's what you see. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a waste if there's just just an image on there and nothing else. Yeah, exactly. And so I sort of think to myself that maybe this is one of the things that Apple has an issue with opening up watch faces. Because if they did, maybe someone's going to make a watch face that has a grid of three by three or four by four, like nine or sixteen positions on the watch face you know, without the time on it and then some white sparks just going to put a bunch of shortcut um, complications on there <laughs> and it'll just be like a teeny tiny incy-wincy iPhone screen. And oh, gu- think, guaranteed someone will try that. Because it's, it's supposed to be a watch, people. Yeah, I mean, the same thing happened with the, the Today notification shade when that first came out. You know, you pull down and it's meant to tell you information about Today. But the first thing people thought of is, oh, wouldn't it be nice if I just had, you know, my four favourite... Um, apps I could just launch directly from here. I think that's one of the first things that that people added. Yeah, exactly. And it would def. Um, it's it's un, un, no doubt in my mind that someone would do that. And I don't know. Maybe it's not right for me to tell people what they should or shouldn't do. It's true. But it, it, if you look at the utility of the watch, 
that's not what it's for. You know, it's for, at least in my opinion, it's, it's about, it has to give you information at a glance that you can access quickly without having to get your phone out or look on your computer or your iPad or whatever other device you've got. It's like real quickly, what's the time or what's the weather doing? Or, you know, what, what, uh, yeah, well, okay. So how do you decide what you put on a complication? Obviously the answer is different for, you know, different apps, but I know that you've developed. So, okay, let's talk about specifically in your case then, Russell, because I know you've developed um, one app in particular that's got an Apple Watch complication on it. So can you describe a little bit about what, what that app is and what's on the complication and a yeah, little bit about sure. why you chose what you did? Sure. So the, the app is Pocket Weather Australia. And, and I guess the, the reason a lot of people install this app in Australia is because um, you know the built-in Apple one just doesn't have the right data. You know, It sources it from, no. I think, the Weather Channel these days. It used to be Yahoo. But yeah, but they're both... Yeah, I mean, the other day I literally looked at it. It was nine degrees out, and in Fahrenheit that might not sound like a lot, but in Celsius, nine degrees—that's that's, that's a lot yeah. of degrees. That's that's the difference between you know being cold and and being slightly warm. And um, so that's the first thing we thought. We're like, right, you need to be able to know the weather. But then then it got to be interesting. Like we we beta tested a lot of things. So the the first thing I thought is with WatchOS two, Apple introduced this time travel feature. So basically, you can. Um, spin this this dial here and you can go backwards in time and forwards in time and you know for things like your calendar you can see future appointments um, if you've got the time zone complications you can see okay it's 1 p.m here what what time is it going to be in New York you can spin that around and the first thing I thought of is wow wouldn't it be good to see you know what the temperature is at at 3 p.m so you'd scroll to 3 p.m and be like ah oh. and so it's funny that's the first thing we implemented was um, the I think used to show the max for today and the current temperature. And one of the very first hurdles we ran into is while you're learning the the watch SDK and what goes into it, you'll find that building a complication is actually quite complicated. Uh-huh. Ah, uh, nice. so, yeah, because nice. the, the reason is Apple has been very, very restrictive about how many times you can refresh it, um, how often you can send it data. And also there's, there's basically a hard limit to how often you're even allowed to send it updates. So... Uh, let's pretend that we update the weather, I don't know, every 15 minutes, every half an hour, whatever is sensible for, for a weather app to keep itself up to date. That's too much information to be sending to the watch constantly. And so what we found is you'd send it a whole bunch of data and then it would be up to it as to when it asks you for that data again. So it could be three hours later, it's like, hey, um, I need the data again. So it it doesn't really have the concept of this is the data I need right now and this is other data. It's literally just data on a timeline. So I guess they're thinking more like a calendar, for example. So your your calendar events are ordered, and you've got a certain amount of bookings. And at three o'clock, whatever's coming up at you know three o'clock, that's that's relevant. And so that information you can see. Maybe you might add a few calendar events. You might move some. You might delete some. But the amount of updates that needs to go to the watch is is not a huge amount. Whereas for weather to keep the current temperature especially up to date. Um, you really need that, you know, probably no more than every half an hour. And that's the first hurdle we ran into. We're like, okay, we can't update it every half an hour. Like, what what do we do now? So we played it around with a whole bunch of things. And in the end, I, I had to take a step back. I'm like, all right, if we can't have that, what's the next most useful thing? And I just looked at the way I was using the watch. So every morning I'd pick it up off the nightstand. I'd look at it and I'd be like, all right, what do I need to wear? So literally when you wake up in the morning, it now tells you, um, this is this is what it's going to be like today. This is the maximum temperature. 
which in Australia at least that, that's the most important number. It's, you know, do I put on a jumper? Do I put on a pair of shorts? Um, do I need to huddle indoors and, and not leave the house because it's it's burning hot outside? And then at 5 p.m. it shows you um, what it's going to be like tomorrow. So it auto switches to this is the overnight temperature and this is tomorrow's temperature. And that's uh, in the end, we found that was a good balance, but it's funny. Like if, if I had the choice, I, I think I probably would have gone with the with the current temperature just because of the the limitations that are on there. Like that was that was just too hard to, to implement well. Yeah, it's one of the things that I I was a little bit um, frustrated by because when Apple have their weather, they show current temperature. And yeah, when we sort of, um, I'm not sure if it was you and I or if it was um, Monica and I, but, you know, we were talking about... Um, you know options and possibilities when uh, when pocket weather came out and um when we started talking about this i did a little bit of digging and and i mean it's it sounds like you know perhaps i shouldn't sound surprised but you know the first party apps have a you know different rule book <laughs> ta-da yeah ta-da yeah it's, yeah and as someone yeah. who's developed like a, a podcasting app as well like i can tell you that um yeah for the longest time apple's always played by by their own rules yeah exactly and so I'll, I'll look at my watch, and if I have the actual um, native uh, weather app on as a complication, it, it fetches the current temperature update just fine. And I'm, I'll do in air quotes that you can't see there, just fine. I'll talk about still in a minute. But, you know, the, the truth is that that luxury is not afforded to third-party apps, right? So, like you said, it could be, you know, hours later when it decides it'll fetch the data. You can't actually force it to refresh exactly can you well this is the thing i've been looking into since so i i probably spent a good week and a half trying to get that right and it was just obvious that um in that time period especially because watch os 2 had literally only just come out there wasn't a lot of information around it you know often you find you go to a site like stack overflow or you'll delve into some of the developer forums and people will find all these sort of hidden things that either apple hasn't talked about or they mentioned super briefly in a video or Someone talked to a tech tech rep, and the tech rep's like, "Oh, you just do this," and they're like, "Well, that's not anywhere in the documentation." Like, I I had a session. I went to um, WWDC, Apple's developer conference. I was trying to figure out this yep. audio related thing. No documentation I could find whatsoever. I'm like, "Well, this is just not going to work." And I sat down with one of the the AV Foundation engineers, which is their their sort of high level you know playback libraries that they have. And she was like, no, no, you just you do this, this, and this. I'm like, oh, really? And the header files were there in it, so the I guess the non sort of documentation, just the the raw code was there, and you could look into the header files, and you'd be like, "Oh, actually, it is there." But nowhere, anywhere in the documentation was it mentioned that you could do these or that that these APIs existed. And they're not private APIs; they're just ones that, for some reason, haven't sort of made it into the the documentation. And I think since then, some of that stuff might have happened with the watch. So that's that's why I'm trying to put these caveats in. Is at the time when I researched it, it looked like it was impossible. Since then, I wouldn't be surprised if someone's found you know, a push notification that you can send to your phone that maybe somehow pushes data to your watch or some kind of event that you can signal to the WatchKit API that, no, no, this is really important and you stick maybe a certain flag on it or there's a particular type of event that you can send to actually get it to update. So I guess on my to-do list is to, to reinvestigate that because it, it's entirely possible that you know someone's found a way to, to work around it. Well, I certainly hope that that's the case, and and if there isn't a, uh, a an indirect workaround or a direct work a direct way of doing it at this point, that in the next watch OS release that they provide that functionality, because I think that that sort of without that 
ability, it, it sort of, I, I see where they're coming from from the battery life point of view. They don't want someone to push an update to it constantly and, and flatten the battery on the thing. I, I get it. The batteries on the on the watch are, are, are precious, right? But Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I do understand that. But at the same time, it, it's a bridge too far in, in, in some respects because it sort of cripples that functionality to an extent. It's like you've got access to third-party complications, but, you know, within very tight restrictions and uh yeah if- and it's interesting the way they've structured it as well is that you have when you build a watch app you essentially have um three parts so you've got the watch app itself which you know most of it runs natively on the watch you've got the complication which is it's almost like its own complete separate thing like it's it's fenced off from everything else if you want to use you know shared code in there you have to put it in libraries and you have to import it it's it's very sort of walled off. So it's it's obvious their intention was, no, this thing runs on the watch face. Um, it doesn't run itself. Like it works the other way around. Like they call you when they want information. Like you don't you don't call them type thing. And it's mm. you can tell it's intentional. They, they obviously knew the battery constraints. They knew how much, you know, juice they had to work with. They probably knew the kind of update cycles that, you know, the thing operates on as well. And I think they probably also knew going forward that if they discovered, hey, most of our users, when they put their watch on, the thing at night, they still get 40%. Maybe let's crank this up a little bit, you know, so potentially, or maybe they make some saving in software where they're like, okay, now we've saved, um, you know, 5% of our battery life here. Let's direct that into complication. So I guess that is a lever they can sort of, you know, pull up and down. Interesting. Okay. And I guess the other thing is you always want to start off, if you're the people making the um, the API, you always want to start off really conservative because if you... If you open the floodgates on day one, that's really hard to pull back. You know, once developers have, you know, written hundreds, if not millions of lines of code, you know, against this API, it's very hard to turn up at the next developer conference and be like, you know, that API we gave you, it's actually really destructive. It's destroying people's battery life. And sorry, but it's no longer there. Like that's, that's a very hard thing to walk back. Whereas if you start off really conservative and you're like, no, these are the things you can do, you know, don't call us, we'll call you. Um, if you try and force update it too often, we're going to cut you off for the rest of the day. That's, you know, not from my end because that really frustrates me as a developer, but I can see it from the other end, from Apple's end. That's probably the smart way to, you know, to start off initially. Yeah. I, I, I Again, I, I do appreciate and I understand that they want to start out uh, restrictive and gradually gradually let a little bit of slack uh, out and uh, and give developers more room to move. And that's that's just the way they function. They, that's the way they operate. And um, I guess that's typical Apple. Not not all companies are necessarily like that. I think, but you know, definitely Apple are. So, but one of the other things I just wanted to touch on about um, complications is, uh, to some extent, is sort of discoverability. Because one of the things that I found interesting, or I don't know, I think it's worthy of mention anyway, is is conveying to users what what their options are you know, for, for complications because what I found you have to do with any Apple Watch app that has complications is you have to poke and prod and basically try all the different complications on the different watch face types yep. to figure out what data is available and what isn't. Not only that, but um, the Apple apps, I don't know if you've noticed, like the World Clock is a good example. Mm. They're allowed to have more than one complication against the same app. And as, as a third-party yeah. developer, you can't do that. So that's the other thing we toyed with is we really wanted people to have a choice. We're like, well, maybe someone cares about this data point more than this data point. And that's the first thing we tried. We were like, what if we can have two or three complications that can scroll through and they'd be like, that's the one I want. But you you can't do that. So any of that sort of configuration that 
you want to do, you actually have to do it, you know, in the phone app itself. Well, that was the other thing I wanted to mention is because um, it's configurable up to a, it's not configurable on the phone. Oh, sorry, hang on, on the watch itself. So on the watch, if you say, I want to have um, this to display current temperature or um, let's say it's not current temperature, it's uh, feels like temperature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you would have to configure all of that at in the phone, in yeah. the in the Apple Watch app, in the configuration options of that. Or would that actually be in the the app itself? Like as far as I app? know, you'd have to actually put it in the, the app that runs on your phone. So you'd have to launch yeah. Pocket Weather in this instance. You go to settings, there'd be like an Apple Watch one. You drill down to there. And then, yeah, we've been trying to plan this out recently because we we do still want to show you different things. But then it, mm. it's it's like two steps removed. Like at the point where you're adding the complication, I don't know that most people are going to be like, oh, I should open the uh, the iOS app. That's a good idea because that's where the settings will be like that. That's a bit of a disconnect for me. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. And to me, it's odd because you've now got three places. So you've got the watch itself, which is where the complication displays, but it doesn't have the settings for what it, the what controls what goes into the complications information. Then you've got the, the watch configuration app on the iPhone, which yeah. controls whether the app is installed, whether it's uh, available as a gesture or whether complication is installed. Uh, yeah. But that's it. And oh yeah, and notifications if there's any related to the app. And then if you want to do any more con- con- configuration of the Apple Watch app, <laughs> you then have to go to the app itself. It's just a, it's, yeah, like you say, it's two steps removed from the actual watch itself, which is what you're trying to configure, which is a bit odd. Yeah, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if if that changes because I mean they've definitely done more than that, you know, for their apps. Like when you're choosing a world time, you know, all the times you have configured. Um, I think it's actually in your phone. They You can scroll through those on the complications and you're like, bang, yep, New York City, that's the one I want. Now, I think something similar to that for third-party developers is, is hopefully you know in the works as well because that makes a lot of sense. Like I'm already here, I want this complication, but if there's three different options, I want to be able to, to choose those. And they've already got you know this, this really nice interface sort of mechanism. You've got the di- digital crown there. You can slide it up and down. There's, the UI is, is already there for it. They just need, I guess, the the APIs and the the frameworks around it. Yeah, exactly. And as you say, the first-party apps have got a lot of that configurability. It's a matter of letting uh, third-party developers do more more stuff like that on the actual watch, I think. Yeah. But I guess the, um, the, the other thing, though, I mentioned before, I just want to dive into a little bit as well, is you know, for, the, for watch complications to be useful, it has to be quicker than pulling out your smartphone or logging into your iPad, your desktop, or whatever. Well, you know, if you're sitting in a room, searching the walls that you're in to find a wall clock to tell you the time, you know, it's got to be quicker than than those things. Yeah, definitely. And the thing that annoys me is that just on the subject of weather apps, and uh, I mean the native weather app in this case, I've pulled my wrist up many, many, many times just to see a couple of dashes in the space where the data is supposed to be telling me what temperature it is. And that's a first-party complication. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and that happens to me semi-regularly. And the connection is that's pretty well almost, not always, but almost always, I'd probably say about 9 out of 10 times when there's no Wi-Fi around. Or rather, there's no Wi-Fi that my phone and watch can connect to because at work I've got Wi-Fi blanketed through the whole building, but it's all locked down with Um, certificates and all sorts of stuff, right? So I can't. So, you know, yeah. So once I'm out of Bluetooth range, it's like, "Hmm, too bad, so sad, you know. And that Bluetooth lag versus Wi-Fi lag is, I thought, something to uh, 
yeah, something that's worth just. Oh, it is. It is an on. immense difference. Like I'm not a low level communications engineer. Although, funnily enough, I did once work on a project um, where the data have to had to go over HF radios, and I believe our bandwidth was, I can't remember now, either 2,048 bits or 4,096. There was a tiny amount of bandwidth, and you had to leave like yeah. massive gaps in it, and that that wasn't mm-hmm. a fun experience. But Bluetooth is obviously faster than that, but it. Compared to Wi-Fi, man, it's just a world of difference. Like I, I know we did some tests on the um, the Android side of things because they opened up an API where you could actually copy data to the watch and then go for a jog, for example, and still listen to your podcast. And that okay. seemed like a really cool idea. I'm like, that's that's nice. You know, you pair. It's a bit of a hassle. You have to pair like a some headphones with the watch. But once you've done that, you can leave the phone at home, go for a jog, you know, play your podcast. But the problem is, you know, most podcasts are, you know, 40, 50, 60, you know, sometimes even 70, 80, 90 megabytes in size. And transferring yeah. that over Bluetooth, I mean, you're talking, you're not talking seconds, like you're literally talking minutes. And that's yeah. that's an odd thing for, you know, it's, it's 2016, you know, we have really fast, well, not at my house, but in most places you have really fast, you know, data transfer speeds between all sorts of different things. And then now to wait five minutes to sync, a podcast to my watch i mean that that just feels primitive yeah yeah exactly right and, and so i guess the connection speed it's the same issue like like you're saying when you're off the wi-fi network and the weather app has to update or something else has to update and it has to wake your phone up talk to your phone you know deal with that latency deal with the the bandwidth constraints and then eventually get it to you yeah it's annoying and i mean it was especially obvious in i don't know if you remember you know watch os1 where you'd launch yes um the built-in apps and then you just watch a spinner and sometimes the spinner would be there, you know, until your watch went back to sleep. And you're like, okay, well, that was fun. I held my wrist up for 15 seconds. Nothing happened. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I'm holding my wrist up and it's it's up there for three seconds and I can't see the information on uh, on the complication all the all the time, well, the time's never been a problem, but, you know, the complications are the problem. Um, if I can't see it within three seconds, I may as well have got my phone out. Yeah, in which case... What's where? Where's the value from that point of view of, of having the complications? So, the, the the problem with Bluetooth is that everyone goes on about how Bluetooth four is amazing because it's got the low energy part of it, and that's just that's got to be a good thing, right? Uh, well, the thing that's interesting about Bluetooth four is actually three <laughs> three previous standards kind of rolled into one, and well, yeah, when I say you start digging into it, it's it's interesting because specifically Bluetooth low energy is, is more about the ability to wake up, send a small chunk of data and go back to sleep again quickly because it's like minimal data transactions. It's not about data throughput. And uh, Bluetooth 3 actually was the one that originally touted a 24 megabit per second transfer rate. But the thing a lot of people don't realize is that it's actually not the Bluetooth standard uh, that actually was what did the data transfer. Maybe it's a technicality, but it's actually 802.11 as a parallel channel to achieve that. So Bluetooth oh, 3 sort okay. of did, did the negotiation and the data transfer rate was actually a, was a parallel channel, which is, which is interesting. But um, if you look at it on the, from a Wi-Fi point of view, uh, you know, if you're assuming, here's your assumptions, right? Ideal network conditions. So you've got no one dragging your network down, let's say like a slow device. Uh, and I tried to track down specifically what the Apple Watch supported. Uh, because there's two channel bandwidths, like 40 megahertz or 20 megahertz channel bandwidths, but I couldn't find out specifically which it is. I'm going to assume that it's probably 20 megahertz, but I can't be sure. So best case raw data rate for Wi-Fi on the watch, it's 802.11n compatible, is 150 yeah. megabits per second, but it's more likely about 72.2 megabits per second for the 20 megahertz channel. 
Yeah. But that that is significantly more than the best that Bluetooth 3 could possibly give you. And Bluetooth 4 incorporates, you know, the elements of Bluetooth 3. So, yeah, essentially the best Bluetooth on that on the watch is what is that? About a third, somewhere between a third and a quarter of what Wi-Fi can do. Yeah. And the other problem, of course, is range. Because the Bluetooth being a you know point to point and the Wi-Fi is going via a router that's got longer range to start with. The range is the other killer. So it's like, yeah, if you're away from Wi-Fi, it's just terrible. It's, you know, just terrible. So mm, it's frustrating. And what worries me is that in that respect, at least, I wonder if that's anything that can possibly be fixed with the current hardware. I think that maybe maybe we've gone as far as we can go with that, with the current hardware on the Apple Watch. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing is because when, when these things were first announced and when they first came out, everyone was like, ooh, that is expensive for for a watch that could potentially be obsolete like in a year or two years or three years. And everyone started to speculate, you know, they can't do this on a yearly cycle. That, that would be insane because... Um, you know, you just bought a $500 watch and then a year later they're like, hey, that watch is useless, get a new watch. And I know I, I know some people would, like I, I probably would, for example, because I'm a sucker for that sort of thing. But that's that feels like a tough sell. And that also means that, like, I think this is where you're going, is that there's there's limits to how far, you know, they can push the software before they actually need to, to rev the hardware as well. Yeah, exactly. So the problem I have with complications as they currently stand is that, they aren't giving enough power to the third-party developers, or at least it doesn't appear that they are. And I'm sort of at the point where I'm I've, with well, with the lag issues when you're away from uh, Wi-Fi, uh, as in a Wi-Fi network that both the phone and the watch can see. You know, the lag issues in when you're trying to glance at this information is such that the current hardware is just not up to the up, just not up to the task. And you know, the battery life being what it is. <laughs> I don't know. It it feels a lot to me like, you know, the original iPhone. And I had an original iPhone too. And I loved that phone. It was only 2G. It had no GPS. The camera was terrible. You know, I sort of look back at it and I'm thinking, what was I thinking? Why did I think this was so amazing at the time? It's because there was nothing else out <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, no, I had the same phone. Yeah, exactly, right? Well, I mean, we both, you know, um, modified it so it would work on the local network here in Australia, I think. <laughs> Because um, we had to at that point. Yeah, exactly. You had to you had to run all these complicated like command line things just to get it to you know just just all you wanted to do was get it to run and like yeah yep. that's a forty five step process. Yeah, you you remember the size of the text on that screen it was this minuscule text scrolling away on the screen. Ah, uh, that's right. The terminal because all the terminal <laughs> incantations you had to enter because that was back before all the all the GUI based tools were around and all the different hacks that other hacks had been discovered. So. That was back in the bad old days of of, of um yeah jailbreaking but yeah but I, yeah. I know what you mean you you look back at that phone now and you're like yeah really nice hardware design but there there was a lot of things that are in the modern smartphone that are just completely missing that I could not live without like if if I had someone gave me a phone and they're like oh by the way no GPS and enjoy the two G I mm. I don't think I'd even use it MacWord I can't I can't use this like I navigate with it all the time I rely on like you know high speed data networks and like oh I can't I can't get by with this yeah exactly and I. I sort of think to myself, well, when it comes to first-gen products, particularly from Apple, it seems to me as though you got to love the product when it comes out and don't expect it to do a heck of a lot more <laughs> in, in a year or two's time. You're going to yeah. need to uprev the hardware maybe once or twice before it becomes something that is truly extendable. It's Because I think that everything was right on that fine line of 
you know, there's a whole list of caveats, right? If, if I had better Wi-Fi throughout the building than my iPhone and the Apple Watch could handle and, you know, maybe that would make it a little bit better, probably would. But ultimately, it doesn't solve the other problems of, you know, third-party apps being being able to update their complications when they need to in the most effective way. And I, I suspect that if they did release more of that control, that ultimately it would end up with really bad battery life and some people would come back and start having a big complaint about it. So... And that would be bad for the you know precious customer sat, right? So I don't know. I think that honestly, they are going to uprev it probably sooner rather than later. So I do think it will be an annual, like there'll be an update this year, but maybe not every year and maybe not every watch. I don't know, but I'm not sure. What, it's a, I'm trying to remember the space between the original phone and the 3G. I, this could be my memory, but I think it was only about eight months, wasn't it? It depends on where you measure it from because it was announced before it was well before it was released because they knew as soon as it hit FCC for qualification testing the cat would be out of the bag. So I think they, um, yeah, I, I think that if you measure it from the date it was released, yeah, it was only about nine months, I think, before they uh, announced they uh, released the next one. It's It wasn't quite a full year. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't think that's something Apple's scared of. You know, a lot of people say, um, you know, if they're smart, they'll they'll wait two and a half, you know, three years to show people they've got value for money. I think if they have something that's significantly better than the previous one, I don't, I don't think they'll hesitate to you know roll that out and and try and sell it like on all the new features. Yeah, exactly. So uh, on the on the topic of complications, at least I guess I'm generally I've been honestly a little bit disappointed in the fact that third party developers aren't given the access that they really I think need to you know to get the best out of it. And it's also down to the fact that the hardware itself is sort of riding on the edge of uh, of practicality. But um, it's only going to get better. New hardware will be better. New operating systems will have more features. There's, I have no doubt about that. How configurable the watch faces become, I don't know. But as for me and my Apple Watch, I'm, there's enough other things that I love about it that I'm happy with. It's just one of these frustrations and, you know, the, the, the complications have turned out to be complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! And, and I think more. from just that was one more. Just, that was one no, I just just had to push that, that one extra one through. I, yep. I think the other one for me is um, because I've I've sampled you know the other side. I've worn an Android Wear watch for you know a significant amount of time. I've watched them evolve. Ha ha! See what I did there. And so uh-huh. yeah, I got the other the other joke in. But the the thing about that is you know they allowed third party watch faces fairly early on in the game. And there's some that I've I've really fallen in love with that I just miss when I come to the the iOS side. And this, I'm going to try and explain this, and it's going to sound, um, you know, trivial. And you'll be like, "Well, I don't need that." But it's there. There's a few of them. Like there's one called I think it's called something simple like Rocket Ship, and it literally is this really nice sort of cartoony animation of um, you've got uh, like a planet in the middle, and that's got mm. your time on it. And the second hand is represented by a rocket ship just with this um, this comic-style flame coming out of it. And the rocket ship just goes around and around the planet. And I don't know, there, there's just something about this. When I look at it, I'm like, oh, you know, I feel good. I've not only have I seen the time, but I've I've seen something that, you know, is uniquely interesting. And there's another one on there. I think it's called Fit Cat. And it's this cat that has like all these, again, different animations and things that, that the cat does, depending on how much exercise you've done for the day. So instead of... You know, the Apple approach where you've got three rings, you know, showing you different kinds of activity. It's it's the same information being measured, but it's it's being shown in a completely different way. Like based on, you know, how the cat's, you know, behaving and what the cat's doing, that's how you know how active you've been. So if the cat's kind of lazing around and just, you know, looking sleepy and just sort of, you know, 
prodding the the ball of wool every now and again you're like oh i should get up and move more but if the cat's really energetic and you know it looks like it's about to bounce off the wall you're like oh you know i've had i've had a good day so it's I know those sound stupid, like as examples, but it's little things like that. And there's some there's some really nice watch faces that have been designed by um, some I don't know what you call them, like design agencies that you know really have these sort of unique designs and unique concepts to them as well. And I do like that experimentation part of it because what happens is you buy uh, you know a watch and you have the the watch faces built in, but if you can just go and download you know hundreds and hundreds of other ones until you find you know the the twenty or so that you really love, like it's it's that whole concept of a digital watch. You know, you've you've turned it into something more than than an analog watch could be, and that's it's it's not a complaint, but it is something on the Apple Watch that sometimes I look at the things like the utility watch face that has a round watch face, and I'm like, yeah, I know why it's round. It's because you know hundreds and hundreds of years of watchmaking has been you know that sort of design language, but now you've got a screen, like you can do all these interesting things that you could never dream of doing. You know, even with your one thousand you know, moving parts is just things you physically can't do with hardware that you can do with software, you know, once you've got an LCD screen. And I'd like to see that side of it, you know, explored a bit more. Yeah, I mean, where's my sands and the hourglass, you know, it tips itself <laughs> over at the end of every hour. You know, come on. Where, where yeah. is this? Where, where's my binary clock? You know, where's that? Because... Um, oh, there, there are like a hundred of those on Android. So there's... Yeah, the, I want there, a hexadecimal clock now and then an octal clock. And I went, come on. Yeah, and and I realize there are a hundred dumb ideas for every good idea, but it's that one good idea I want to get to that I feel like we're missing out on at the moment. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree, and I, I think that the they'll open up watch faces uh, probably with the next watch, but uh, a little bit more. But like like you suggested, I think it'll be just it'll be still a little bit restricted either by the numbers of developers that are allowed to do it, or um, there'll be some more restrictions that we haven't thought of yet that that, that Apple will say, well, you know, um, you're only allowed to have a limit of like four complications, you know, on your watch face, or the complications you do have have to fit within the following restrictions, and yeah, yeah, and maybe you have to limit. show the following things, and if they're not present, it's not considered a watch face or or something. Actually, yeah. I know this is your show, but I have a I have a question for you. It's not strictly sure. related to complications, but it okay. it kind of is in that wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think in the next five years they'll make a a round watch? I think. Uh, I think they will, yeah. I think there's a very good chance that they will, because the starting off with the square uh, and the rounded corners, it it makes certain things easier about manufacture. And the problem with making a round face and then a round LCD is that uh, there is a bit of waste when you make it, and it's mach- machining from a machining point of view on the the steel is not a not a problem. So I said steel, I mean either stainless steel or aluminium or gold yeah you know, it's not a, that the that's not the issue it's it's the uh the lcd wafers or whatever else it's a, a waste problem and i th- yeah i know you mean because they're cutting them out from sheets in, in grids and if you have to cut circles then you've left all the it's like a donut i guess yes exactly and uh certain geometries are so much simpler i mean think about all of the components how many you know, how many round integrated circuits are there how many round you know <laughs> It's just that's not the way that they're done. And, you know, quad flat packs and bore grid arrays and arrays are, you know, co- rows and columns, which then they're not circular, they're not honeycomb patterns. They're, you know, they're, they're regular rectangular or square shapes. And the whole design language of, of computers, I mean, computer screens, they're all square or they're rectangles. You know, our, the keys on our keyboard are all squares. They're not, they're not circles. You know, 
the the funny thing is though there are other things that we that we twist with our fingers so the digital crown because we twist our fingers is round and and you know knobs on you know, hand, door handles are round and you know because it feels better for our fingers and that action that we're using but there's no advantage to having a round uh, watch face other than its appearance I think uh, unless of course you've got a diver's watch that you're using the out, the external dial and you are again using that 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 action with your fingers and you're turning it and and obviously being round allows that so I, I, I absolutely believe that at some point they will release a round watch and I wouldn't be surprised if they you know did something like the um, going back to the original iPod uh, and whether or not they they have like a, if they had a round watch, what I think Apple would do is they'd, they'd, they'd have a sensor around the outside. You can like run your finger around the outside as a form of navigation beyond the digital crown. But Yeah, which like Samsung's done with their, their S2. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So they've, um, got, they've got two models of that, one where you can just run your finger around the, the edge and one where you can actually physically turn, uh, I guess, something like a, a diver's watch, but it's just sure. it's, it's the method of, of navigation. Yeah. And, and I think that that would be, you know, fine it's uh the sort of thing that ultimately i think that apple want to make a watch that looks more like a traditional watch but isn't a traditional watch if that makes sense i think that they um probably chose the compromise on this on this design which is a a more square shape because it makes certain things easier but i mean ultimately uh yeah we'll see what happens in a few years and yeah I'm not sure how I go on predictions. Never really kept track, uh, but we'll see. <laughs> well, li- listeners, you're going to have to note that one down. Yeah, write it down and come back and yeah, yell at me later. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, any other parting thoughts or about complications? Uh, no, I, I think you've you've kind of covered the majority of it. I mean, the I keep looking at this, and I think the one other thing I'd like to see from Apple is either either more templates because it's fairly sort of templated and locked down or just more configuration options, you know, for those templates, which I I think you'd be surprised. Like I think that would make a lot of difference if if I don't have the choice of just, hey, this is how you can present things. If I can maybe do some, you know, core graphics, for example, drawing or something like that in there or provide it with, you know, images that I can actually use as a background rather than just as, you know, image on the left, text on the right. I, yeah. I think maybe then you could do some some really sort of interesting things that you, you can't currently do on there. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I think that, that that will come in time. The only question is how much time are we going to have to wait? So, but yeah. Uh, for, yeah. But that's okay. Um, They will, yeah. <laughs> I'm very interested to see what they do next uh, with the next version of the hardware as well. So, well, I mean, the, the other interesting thing about it, I guess, is um, this this watch barrel accounts has sold really well for any other company, but I don't know that it's been an absolute home run for for a company like Apple, where normally they launch a product and it just goes like absolutely gangbusters. This this does feel like it's a slightly softer launch, maybe maybe even more in line with how the original iPhone you know sold that that sold in decent numbers, but the three G and the three DS that fo- uh, followed it just you know absolutely you know blitz those previous numbers, and I wonder if you know, the watch could end up, you know, similar. Like they may be sold, you know, five or 10 million, whatever the current estimates are. Like I wonder if they can actually find a few more, you know, things to, to hook people on and a few more features that'll be like, wow, you know, I really must have this. Then maybe you could start talking, you know, 40, 50, you know, 60, 100 million, you know, watch sales. 
Yeah, absolutely right. And I think that it is very analogous to the original iPhone, which is one of the reasons I brought it up earlier is because uh, it feels very much like that is, you know, the early adopters that, that see the promise of the technology and it's, and it's a leap ahead of, of what's come before it. But at the same time, it's still restricted in a lot of ways. And, you know, if you did it on a, a spec comparison, you know, if you'd like against other competing products in the market right now that are a little bit more autonomous, yeah, it's um, we can definitely see just like with the original iPhone where the next the improvements need to be. So, uh, I think watch this space. <laughs> and <laughs> watch this space; it's getting complicated. Never mind. So, if you'd like to talk more about this, you can reach me on Twitter at John Chigi, or you can follow at Pragmatic Show to specifically to see uh, show announcements and other road stuff. Remember that Pragmatic is now part of the Engineered Network. It also has an account at engineered underscore net that has announcements about the network and all the shows. And you can check that out at engineered.network. Uh, people are really loving Causality as well, which is another podcast. I do a solo podcast. So if you like Pragmatic, be sure to check that out. Uh, also Nutrium on the Engineered Network. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with Russell, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you, mate? Uh, probably the best way is on Twitter because I, I check that quite often. So Rusty Shelf or one word. Excellent. And you're also on two excellent podcasts. One of them is uh, Topical and the other one is Material. Yeah, I keep forgetting to mention these and both uh, my co-hosts on both the shows always want to murder me. So um, Topical you can, f- <laughs> you can find at uh, topical.fm and Material you can find at relay.fm slash material. Fantastic. And uh, tell Jelly if he's going to threaten to murder you that he's Jelly, he can't physically hold a knife, so that's not going to work. Anyway. Not only that, but I, I have him, you know, I have hours and hours and hours of recordings of the, the guy saying incriminating things. So if I do disappear, that's the first place I want the, uh, the police to search. Excellent. That's the Monty Burns. Excellent. All right. Very good. <laughs> so if you'd like to send any feedback about the show or the network, please use the feedback form on uh, engineer.network. And uh, that's where we also find uh, show notes for this episode. So if you'd like to uh, support the show, the best way you can is to become a patron via Patreon. Our Patreon is at patreon.com slash John Chigi or one word. So if you'd like to contribute something or anything at all, it's all very much appreciated. There's a few perks in there as well. So check it out. It all helps and it's all greatly, very greatly appreciated. So um, thank you everyone for listening once again. And uh, thank you, Russell. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Seriously, we're going to start now. <laughs> I'm all right. Push the button, Max. Um, there's a movie reference. Do you know that one? 
I'm going to guess Maxwell Smart, but I don't remember <laughs> her saying it. I'm guessing no, 99? No. No? no, 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 no. Push the button, Max. It's actually out of a uh, movie called The Great Race. Um, I've seen that. I might have. I don't remember that line. Yeah, uh, Jack Lemon. Um, it had uh, got Peter Fork in it uh, before he was Columbo, and um, oh god, Tony Curtis. No, and, no, I have not seen that. Yeah, that's and never mind. Anyway, every every time he wants something, he just says push the button, Max. Anyway, <laughs> there's always a big button on the dashboard. He pushes the button. Never nice. mind. It's fine. It's all good, and it's completely nothing to do with watches or watch complications, which is what I want to talk about.